Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The sound of endurance racing around the world. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. G'day everyone and welcome to On The Grid, your weekly fix of motorsport with a down-under perspective. Each week we'll talk to the leading lights of Aussie motorsport, unpick the key issues, discuss the trending topics and have some fun along the way. From supercars to the Bathurst 12-hour and everything in between, and I mean everything, this is On The Grid. Now, here's the show's host with the most, Tony Shebecki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid. A big show tonight, uh, no interviews as such, but we'll be giving our mid-year report on our supercar teams here in Australia. Myself, Richard Krall and Mark Walker to do that shortly, and also to go through the news about uh, Kelly Racing and uh, Todd and Rick Kelly both pulling out of uh, Kelly Grove Racing and that uh, going into the hands of Stephen Grove 100% in the very near future. So that to cover off. Also plenty of news to come as well. We're waiting on confirmation in regards to the remainder of the calendar for season 2021. It's believed that supercars have just about finalised that and a, uh, a new calendar effectively to come out over the next couple of weeks. Now, what we do know is that there's been a couple of uh, changes to what we're seeing at the moment. Let's go through what those changes may look like from what we're hearing around the trap. So it would seem that Queensland Raceway will pick up its event, but that may run a little bit later, giving a bit more time for the uh, restrictions between Queensland and other states, particularly Victoria, and those borders to lift. So that looks like that uh, race at Ipswich will happen on September the 4th and 5th. Now, a lot of other things look like they're in the wind. looks like there could be a round at Phillip Island. The round at Perth could be in doubt, obviously, due to the border situation there. And it also looks like the round in New Zealand may be off the table Totally. So we'll wait and see what happens there. A lot of talk about the Bathurst 1000. We discussed it here on the program last week. And it seems like there could be a delay to the Bathurst 1000. And that could be moved by a week or two to try to fit in. So it looks like we could have a double weekend of racing in Victoria with Winton and also Phillip Island coming on board. And the Sydney night race looks like it will take the spot of the Australian Grand Prix which was uh, mid-November, of course, that has now been cancelled, the Australian Grand Prix, and it looks like the Sydney night race will jump into that weekend. So plenty of things have been touted. What the final makeup of the new uh, calendar will look like, we'll hopefully find out in the next couple of days. All right, joining me, as always, off the top of the program for chat, Richard Crow from the racetalk.com. Hello, Crowsey. Anthony Shebecki, how are you? Richard, I am fine, thank you. Uh, we are allowed of lockdown now in Melbourne, so as you are as well. Yes, I know. Adelaide. I know. So we're, uh, we're as free as a bird. Well, yeah. it's, a, it's a bird that's limited to a small radius within your state, but <laughs> yes, still promising signs. Hopefully that's the last time we all have to go through that rubbish and uh, it won't be. But uh, and life can get on with, uh, you know, life. Yes, Mark Walker, you're uh, been running around naked in the streets, I would assume. 
Oh, that's my son trying to body train him at the moment. He got it confused. That's a, that's a disappointing outcome for myself. But uh, yeah, anyway, uh, happy days. Hopefully we get to go racing again soon. What's going on, as always? Uh, calendar changes, sure? as always. Um, before we launch into our main topic, you've got, you got to give credit. We've said it a couple of times on this show. At no point would you want to be a sports administrator at the moment. Yeah. Um, but full credit to supercars. They're um, throwing the kitchen sink at it, aren't they? Once again, second year in a row. Yep, some uh, some major changes announced uh, in that calendar, which we heard earlier on in that news segment. And, uh, well, good luck to them. Hopefully it all works out. I mean, it, seriously, though, you, you can, for all best laid plans, nothing is concrete or cement, is it? No, no, of course not. Not a chance. Um, no, that's the short answer. We could go on about it for ages, but they've, they've got to get some form of a workable plan in place and then just keep adapting to it as the season goes on. And that, that's all they can do. But they've got to have something on paper, at least, that you can work to. You, you can't just sit in purgatory all your life. You've got to have okay. something there that you can go, all right, we're working to this. It will probably change, but at least we've got some direction. And I mean, I think the main problem at the moment is Queensland. I mean, they've got... a a little bit of sketchiness up there. They're sort of hanging on by a thread. And obviously the Sydney situation's just gotten worse since we talked this time last week, which, you know, Bathurst can't happen if Sydney's locked down. That's simple as that. You know, the, the state will be shut out from the other states. Uh, so you're not going to get any interstate officials there and you're not going to be able to get enough uh, officials from regional New South Wales, I don't think. So could be the only way Team Sydney get to win Bathurst. Well, they're oh, not even based in Sydney at the moment. Oh, there you go. So, <laughs> they're Team Queensland. So, yeah, that, even that doesn't work. Yeah. And and like as we talked about last week and, and wrote about on the race talk during the week that, that Bathurst has to move, in our opinion, um, it's too important to get wrong. With new TV deal, with Seven, with new major sponsor in Repco, you've got to do, give it every chance at least to work. I mean, if, if ultimately it ends up running as a TV-only event, in December, then so be it. At least they threw the kitchen sink at it and tried to do it as best as they possibly can. Yeah. The other big news, obviously, doing the tracks at the moment, uh, announced yesterday that the Kelly brothers are pulling out of uh, Kelly Grove Racing. I think we all sort of knew that that was going to happen eventually, but I think the decision made yesterday probably came a little bit earlier than most of us would have thought. Yeah, it was probably six months earlier than I thought it had happened. I, I, I was under no, it wasn't a shock that Grove was going to take over that team yeah. entirely at some point. Um, but it felt that there'd be a Kelly involvement there longer than perhaps there has been. So, yeah, that, that was probably a bit earlier than we expected. But at the same time, they clearly sat down and looked at it. And um, it, interesting as part of all that, that, that Rick and Todd have kept hold of the engineering side of the business and will continue on with that. So, that's a, a, a money spinner for them, but also good for Groves because they don't have to invest in that. And the theory is that there'll probably be less of that side of things with Gen 3 anyway, less stuff happening in-house, um, more turnkey stuff. So probably don't need to go out and invest in that from a race team point of view at the moment if you don't need to. So it seems like a sensible outcome for both parties, really, which is which seems to have been the modus operandi for this since day dot. It, it's just makes a lot of sense from both sides from looking at it from the outside well i mean first for mine you look at rick and todd their driving career they 
got some big results and you know, they got Bathurst and Rico got a championship there. And, and it was all in the heyday of the sport too, wasn't it? Those mm. golden years mm. of 03, 04, 05. So they, they really uh, were up there punching with the big guns when it mattered at that, that, uh, that little part, which they've, you know, they kept driving well throughout their driving careers. Secondly, I guess for myself, I was associated with the team there for five different seasons. I worked in various capacities with them. So uh, got to see how they how they worked and how they ticked and you know away from the track and it was all it was it was impressive it was really impressive I mean I think they got screwed with the Nissan deal mm. and I think they've said as much since that being the first ones out there with the Nissans was wasn't the right thing to do because they they didn't want to rock the boat they were very much yep yep we'll do as you say supercars and then everyone else who's progressively come in since then you know rock the boat and kept taking liberties and kept uh, taking the mickey a bit further. So I, I sort of feel for them there that they were the first in with Nissans. If they were the second or third in and could sort of do things the way that they ultimately, ultimately could have wound up, uh, I think things could have been very different for them there. Having and said they- that, Mark, they'd be congratulated for the way that they did that whole Nissan program. I mean, oh. it was probably more successful than anyone thought it would be. You know, you, you look at the success of getting people like John Crennan involved, getting Nissan involved, the sponsors that they had over the years. They're very savvy with a lot of those things. You look at the wild cards that they ran, like it wasn't just concentrating on those main entries. They were always out there looking for these other things on the side. And with the wild cards, they had that reality TV stuff. Remember that yeah, with the, sure. uh, the and it's supercar oh, showdown, unearthed Cam Waters back in the day. Mm. I mean, <laughs> I, think I, did a, I did an episode of that where I interviewed some there of the contestants in uh, the SEN studios. And, and look where you've gone on to do here, Shebex. I mean, it's pretty good. Exactly. I mean, obviously Todd's very good at the technical stuff and he always will be. And and that's just grown from him having to learn to repair that uh, VS Commodore that he smashed up at Eastern Creek back in 1999. He had to learn mm. how to fix his car or he wasn't going racing. And, and obviously, you know, we saw it last year with all the social media stuff that he did, building up the Mustangs and having to build... Uh, engines on grotty garage floors around Australia. It was all very impressive. But um, yeah, he loves getting his hands dirty. Like he, you'd often see him out there welding up a new exhaust or trying an experimental bit, and he'd be making it himself. I mean, were you there, Rich, when on the Monday morning after the Sandown 500 that year, when we went over to the workshop? Was that when he fixed your chair? He fixed my chair. Yeah, yeah, I was there. And I finally, I finally, I went up to him. It must have been the Friday before the Sandown 500. And it's like, TK, you know a lot of useful people. Do you reckon you know someone who could weld up my recliner? Oh, I think I could have a go at that, eh? <laughs> Just come down come down the shed at Smoko and bring a coffee. Yeah. Oh, okay, sure. We've rolled in there and he's got the personalised welding kit. Like he's got the, the Todd Kelly welding apparel going on. Wow. And he didn't weld up my recliner. He re-engineered it. Like yeah. he's put these plates on it and he's like, look at this. And I've sprayed it the same color it was amazing and i had to turf that chair last year and the only thing that was still good on it was the weld job that tk did to the bottom of it <laughs> gustav the recliner gustav. The, um yeah and from memory like that was their their sort of secondary workshop wasn't it down at the um yeah down I, at the airport and they had a they had an, an engine on the dyno while we were there so and he'd do all that stuff yeah. he'd do all the dyno yeah. stuff at the time so like he, he's always really good with that technical stuff and but you look at him and you know flying planes yeah i mean he's useful like he can (laughs) you know do the cars and the boats but then Mm. flying a pilatus pc12 that's not a single engine cessna that 
you know, jump over puddles. It's a proper big boy airplane. And, you know, I've seen him land that thing at Adelaide Airport, mm-hmm. you know, with all the big boy jets flying around and oh, it's just Todd doing Todd things. You look at Rico, he was so good at the commercial stuff. I mean, I've sat in on sponsorship meetings with him and his spiel and his pitch was just first class. And you'd look mm-hmm. at him go, hang on, aren't you the racing car driver? Like, He's out here yeah. selling all his but it was the same when he did the deal with 10 and, yeah, and he became part of 10's coverage. And we're like, oh, really? I mean, good bloke. He, no, he saw it, but, but he but saw it coming. Yeah. He saw it coming yeah, but, and hit them up. No, but a hundred percent. But, but like he was engaged with them, like presenting and he was on RPM and all of that. And you go, oh, really? Oh, I don't know if all the drivers, you'd pick Rick Kelly to be your expert supercar analysis, but he was really good at it too. Like, and like you said, with the commercial presenting thing, like you flick the switch and go, oh, hang on a minute, this bloke could talk. So I, I think the legacy that the Kellys leave is that. Should they oh, have no, been a, no, no, no. The no. legacy they leave is the Jack Daniels sponsorship. No, well, I was, I, I was leading to that, Shebex, because <laughs> I, I think should they have been a more successful race team over that period? You'd probably argue yes. Yeah. But, but what they did do was have an amazing run commercially. Um, we've talked about Nissan. Jack Daniels was a huge blue chip sponsor. Now, yes, they, they inherited that when they got over the, the, the Perkins engineering thing. Sure. But they fostered it. They maintained it. They grew it. They kept it for a long time. But you look at the other brands they brought in, long relationship with Castrol, the Sengled deal, which came from nowhere. Like, why was a, a voice control lighting bloody company that makes lights you know smart lights for your house why were they sponsoring a supercar great deal good brand um and and bringing nissan on board was an enormous thing but ironically supercars probably wasn't mature enough to manage the whole nissan thing at the time and had had it been 2019 2020 it's a good point it was that would be when you'd bring in a brand like nissan because i think the sport was mature enough to do it but i I think they leave a great legacy and the other thing for mine boys is that the team's in great hands um the groves have the backing to back it up um but most of all they're just utterly passionate people about motor racing and stephen grove loves nothing more than being in a really good car race whether it's him driving or him with the headset on watching brenton do it or watching reynolds or heimgartner do it that's all he wants and, and that he loves it, absolutely loves it. So that's a great sign for our sport that he's taking over this race team and hopefully it can elevate them to a new level. Hopefully they hold on to that facility because it yeah. is the best facility in supercars, like hands oh, down. It, it, it there's smokes, nothing in the competition. It smokes Banyo, it smokes um, uh, DJR, Stapleton. Like it just, it is the best team workshop in supercar racing. Uh, Mark, you, you know you know about it. Was it, it? It had a really NASCAR feel about it, didn't it? Oh, yeah, you'd probably say that. Pr- probably to an extent, but you know, it was a bit compartmentalised, I guess. There was different yeah. areas and everywhere had their space. But I remember when the, the boss of Nismo came out back when that deal was first signed, he's walked around there and gone, um, did we pay for this? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, this is all us. We've already been here. We've already owned all these CNC machines. They, mm. the, the Japanese blew out when they saw it because it was a, you know, it wasn't still is a, a really impressive thing. You know, get, going back to the commercial stuff, Rico got on board with GoPro. Oh, mm. huge. Mm. Uh, but the thing was, the thing that pissed me off the most when I was a team photographer is the best <laughs> photographer was driving car 15. Yeah. <laughs> you look at the stuff he'd do with that GoPro and mm. it was amazing. He was, he's, very sharp with all that stuff you know one that 
might not necessarily have worked was when he got Russell Ingall on board as a co-driver. Mm-hmm. When was that 2016? Uh, and, you know, Russell just bagged out the Nissans, which didn't really work. But Russ was the TV pundit at the time. And the thought mm. was, you get the TV guy in there and then we'll get some more TV time. Yep. So, and that worked the same as the, uh, the Channel 10 stuff. I mean, I think the one for mine was the Bathurst road trips. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I got to go well, the yes. last two of them. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I mean, the, the statute of limitations nowhere near up on them. So I can't really say anything. But, uh yeah, and the disappointing part of that whole scenario is that you had to still go to Bathurst at the end of it and work your <laughs> ass off for a whole week. It'd be good if it was just a holiday, a nice road trip up to Bathurst. But uh, it, that, that was always cool because everyone along the route knew that you were coming and expected you. And the whole media circus, they'd arrived there a day before everyone else and they'd own all the pre-race press. Mm. They're very clever with that stuff. You know, they'll keep busy and they'll be around and, you know, they, they've done a great job and, you know, the legacy is their, their race team. Hopefully they yeah. can keep punching. Good on you, Rick and Todd Kelly. Yeah, all of us here on uh, on the grid and from the race talk, salute you for the work that you guys have uh, done in supercars in your career. Before we get into our mid-year supercar report card, boys, just quickly for you, Richard, uh, I think we're all concerned, or not concerned, but wondering what may happen with the S5000 Triple Crown once the Australian Grand Prix was announced that it wasn't going to be around. And great to see that they've now compiled uh, the and, and reinvented the Tasman series. Yeah, look, it's it's cool. It, it was always going to happen with 5,000. Eventually, it was going to, to bring back the Tasman series, but the, the GP cancellation sort of brought everything forward and it, it required a bit of a rethink about what the series was going to do. So it, it now will work in two separate tiers, I suppose. You'll have a regular season championship, which will be the Australian Drivers Championship, Camps Gold Star, Motorsport Australia Gold Star Award, and then over summer, Tasman Series. Now, this year, yes, it's only in Australia. And I'll just blow up a little bit here because <laughs> social media can go and get stuff. Listen, folks, I'm not sure if you're aware there's a pandemic occurring. So booking rounds in New Zealand. Now, supercars, are if they haven't already, listen to the news at the start of the show, you already know. We record this Tuesday night, so we're not sure yet. New Zealand's probably off. They're not going. Not sure how a smaller category is going to make a New Zealand round work at the moment. So no, there's New Zealand, no New Zealand events now. They'll happen in the future. Don't worry about it. It will be our proper Tasman series. Um, It's cool, mate. It's got such a rad history. And I, I really think there's amazing potential down the road for big banger open wheelers running a four round, two in Oz, two in NZ, whatever it might be you know, eight, 16 race championship uh, over summer when nothing's happening in the European winter and the American winter. And you get Oscar Piastri to come down and run, for example, this summer. You get um, guys in Indy Lights. So Alex Peroni, for example, finishes Indy Lights. Maybe he's going to IndyCar, but comes and runs this. Maybe you get an IndyCar driver who's got nothing else to do because IndyCar finishes in October. That that's where I think the potential is for this. It'll have good TV on both sides of the ditch. It's at great events like Gold Coast and Bathurst. New Zealand will undoubtedly be cool because I bet Tony Quinn will put something amazing on that we can go and run at. Um, I, I reckon it's just got enormous potential to be something really special. And you look at TRS. I mean, you get that field always fills up with guys punching down to a lower category, essentially. Like mm. the, the TRS cars are pretty cool, but they're no 
big banger S5000 sort of thing. At the same time, it's different though, because S5000 is not aimed at your teenage wonder kids, your Lance Strolls on the journey. It's a little bit different. Yes, it's good for them for sure. And we've had Cooper Webster and kids like that, Nathan Hearn in it. But I, I think it's more of a, I think it could be more of the destination. If in my eyes and my, probably got my s5000 blinkers on but the event would be s5000 trs would be on the program but for the 5000 to be the headline race because you get some of the bigger names the biggest stars in it while trs is the junior burgers coming up through the ranks oh, i love trs it's an amazing category the racing's extraordinary mm. and and the stars that have come through it are amazing um and that should continue i don't think this takes away anything from toyota racing series at all but you look, F5000's a massive deal in New Zealand mm. relative to Australia. So there's no reason, you know, they're pretty used to running these big yeah. banger cars. There's no reason yeah. Kenny Smith they, won't they lob over. Coexist. How, sure. how young is Kenny? He's due. Due for a drive, isn't he? Yeah, well, he gets young. He's he's degressing in age. <laughs> that Matt Damon film where he just went got younger and a younger Benjamin as the Button. film went on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Kenny Smith. Amazing. <laughs> I'd love to see him in an S5000. It'd be awesome. But no, it's cool news, Shebex. We'll, we'll do a bit more on it in a couple of weeks' time in this little okay. quiet period we've got, and we'll get some drivers on and, and have a chat because it's a cool um, – it's going to be a really cool cool concept. And Gold Coast, it's an open-wheel racetrack. That place yeah. is going to be amazing with those cars, let alone no, Bathurst. About it. All right, guys, let's get straight into our Supercars mid-year report. So, folks, what we're going to do is we're going to give – the teams and their drivers a bit uh-huh. of a mark and have a bit of a chat about where we think they've gone right or gone wrong for season 2021. We're going to do it in uh, order of bottom of the championship to the top teams, which means that we're going to kick off with uh, Truck Assist Racing first up and uh, their driver, Jack LeBrock. Who wants to take the first one? Okay, I will. Just before uh, we start, yes. has anyone given anyone an F? No. Of course. Mark's failed. You failed you failed some people? Yeah. Okay. Good. Excellent. Just wanted to just well, what, what sort of what sort of classes it have everyone passes? No. Well, life's not easy, Rich. Everyone I mean past my year twelve class. Well if if you've given F's then I I could give one. Yep. Um I, I've got to say it's hard because there's there's so many inconsistencies, isn't yeah. it? Like Obviously, you've got your Red Bulls, and we'll get to them down the line, but it's hard to decipher what so many of these other guys are doing when pretty much everyone's capable of getting on the podium on their day, and they've shown it at various stages anyway. That's, that's that hard, folks. We're going to leave it there. and we'll, Yeah, uh, thanks for joining us. This report card does remind me of my high school career, though. <laughs> like, there's a lot of Cs. <laughs> Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of there's a lot of oh, Richard, you got sixty eight percent. You did potential. okay, but you didn't do real well. <laughs> right, Mark. Sorry, trucks uh, go, Mark. Jack LeBrock, I've given him a D. Uh, had a best of six in the first race of the year, and since then three top tens. Yeah, he's a guy capable of winning. He won last year. Was on the podium last year at the Bend, but uh, he's just had a really tough time of it. And you know, Cam Waters has shown what that kid's capable of. At the front, I mean, is Tickford a team that can only operate one fast car? They shouldn't. They should be capable of running three fast cars. So, um, tough, tough start to the year for Jack, I reckon. Oh, yeah. I was with that burnt foot from Bathurst. I'd... Yeah, hundred oh, percent. Yeah, but f- physical injuries you don't get marks down for. But no, I, I gave them a D plus um, based on their 
but yeah, like you said, based on the Tickford thing, uh, that, that combination has the potential to win races. And we'll get to what happened with, with the A side here. And um, for those of you playing at home that might not understand why we're breaking these teams up, we're doing it based on the team's championship. We're scoring a two-car team. Yeah. So not necessarily individual drivers, two-car team, but Tickford with the unique way that Supercars works is a one-car team. So they're never going to win the team's title with um, the Jackal Brock car. So, yeah. But relative to where the other Tickford cars have gone, especially Cam Waters, yeah, it, it's uh, hard to see anything beyond that result at the moment. Yeah, D for me for Jack LeBrock as well. Currently 18th in the championship personally. Uh, when you're qualifying 15th average for the year and average finishes 14th, that's just not a car that's representative of a, uh, a big boy brand such as Tickford. And uh, we take into consideration, yep, it's all been a tough year. Foot burn, lack of performance, all that sort of stuff. But they really spoke about the work that they did heading into Townsville and how they thought that they turned it around. And then all of a sudden they ended up with three finishes outside the top 10 in Townsville. So nothing really changed at all. They need to work hard on their problems. Otherwise the year's just going to go. So they need to improve quickly. Uh, Team Sydney. Look, do we all agree they're an F? Hang on, you missed one. You missed one. Cool drive racing is above them. Ah, no, I'd see. I put them. Why did I put them up the order? Well, Um, you didn't, you did a very poor copy paste there, Richard. I sent you a list, mate. Yeah, we'll come back to cool drive racing. All right, Team Sydney. They they have to be an F, don't they? They have to be. They are. I had, I had them as a D. I didn't want to fail anyone just because at least they're trying. But now, yeah, no, they're an F. I mean, start the year with promise. They had Jeff Slater on board. Fabian Coulthard's gone from the biggest team in the sport, came down here, and he shot. He fired some shots there in Townsville, didn't he? You know, mm-hmm. DJR, don't listen to me, but these guys do. And since then, he had an absolute Barry Crocker up there in Townsville. He's now sitting behind Gary Jacobs in the points, which is... Uh, that's amazing. I, I cannot believe that. I mean, but you know, the team that doesn't have a home, they don't have a home base at the moment. They're, they're bouncing around there out of their old workshop on the Gold Coast still, which isn't great. Uh, so that doesn't make it easier, but, um, that, yeah, and, bit... but Gary's had his power steering problems all year long. Yeah. And why, why, hasn't, dramas. why hasn't that been fixed? Yeah. Look, I'm sorry, but based on last year, but saying, Oh, we can't work out of our normal workshop is like, Oh, the dog teacher ate my homework because Tickford Racing operated out of a bloody theme park and were quite competitive. So it was the, it was the lobby though, wasn't it? It was the lobby nice. of the theme park. Yeah. yeah. But, but Techno's base on the Gold Coast isn't exactly urban hell, is it? It's a very nice yeah. facility. True. <laughs> it's better. No, it's quite seriously. Their Gold Coast facility is better than the shed they work out of at Sydney Motorsport Park usually. True, true. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, no, teacher, my dog ate my homework. Mm, did it? Did it though? I think it did. Mm, yeah, okay. no, I can't add too much to that apart from. Must try harder, team Sydney. Yeah, and I think I think the ultimate, I'm going to say the ultimate insult, but it was the ultimate showing of what this team, where they're at at the moment, was that pit stop <laughs> in Townsville. Uh, yeah, that was... That was that was just exactly the, the red letter of where they're at at this point in time. Of all the pit stops for supercar media to pick for that team to show this year. It was the worst one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It wasn't great. Cool drive racing. Of course, they've got Tim Slade uh, in the chair for them. I've given them a really solid B. It was almost a B plus. Um, and I think they've been fantastic. I've loved the way they've rolled the dice with strategy at Townsville, especially my last time out, they were outstanding. They did it in every race and no one else really cottoned onto it, which I really enjoyed. 
Um, they've been w- willing to roll the dice. Tim Slade's had legitimate top 10 qualifying pace more occasions than not. Yes, they're mired by some inconsistencies this year, but who isn't outside of Triple Eight? So really, like, they're a, a percentage point away from being a B-plus in my books for what they've achieved being a, a record team. So if I was on a generous day, I'd probably just give them that extra mark and give them a B-plus. But I, I've been really impressed with that squad. Great signs for the future. And and you know what? They've, they've gone about it without any fuss. Um, the fuss that's been around them was made after Slady's crash. Um, but the, aside from fencing the thing, that wasn't of their doing. They haven't talked mm. themselves up. They haven't played the, oh, we're a little team card. We're trying as hard as we can, but give us time. They've just gone about their business and operated really nicely. And I love that. They're well presented. Car looks ace. Slade's doing a super job. Um, Timmy Blanchard is team boss. Big tick. Uh, I am feeling generous. B plus for mine. Uh, yeah, they, they dropped 200 points that Bathurst weekend. They started mm. on the front row, were on for a podium, their first ever race. And they didn't get anything for that weekend. And they probably would have scored 200 points and if they did they would have been in the top 10 and then they would have dropped points after that because it took a fair bit to rebound from that they've wheeled out a nine-year-old car like this car was the prototype of this generation supercars like it's not a new car Mm. but they're getting results from it like he's just got a string of uh six top 10 finishes and seven races Mm. there through the middle of townsville like it was on fire so yeah b plus for mine good job yeah, you see, I'm one of those teachers that can only mark on the work that's been handed in. So while I give them a C, I do say that they're a C with potential to at least get up to a B, a B plus, and possibly even better than that. Little Timmy. Mm. Yeah, you're right. Numerous top 10 finishes and good qualifying speed. I've seen them gain a lot of ground that they did lose after that big Bathurst crash. And I suppose the expectations were still around for Sandown and Tassie and uh, non-finishers. Not that non-finishing Bathurst really hurt those two races. So everyone had to reset on those guys and they've turned it around. Mm-hmm. Average qualifying 13th for the year, average finish 12th. That's not a bad position to be in. And uh, yeah, a C for me for those guys. SCT and Coca-Cola BJR. Yeah. I didn't flunk them, but it got pretty bloody close. Uh, they're, they're a D. Um really rough season, but a, a lot of it down to circumstance as well with Macca Jones, who has shown genuine pace on more than one occasion this year with his qualifying performance, especially, but whatever black cat slash mirror, he broke slash ladder. He walked under this year. I, I don't know, but he needs to find some good karma at some point and, and try and get it back because um, man, he's been unlucky, but the speed, this is the first year we've genuinely speed seen, that raw speed from Macca that we've been looking for for a couple of seasons. Um, and, and Jack Smith, like, I mean, he's a, he's a back end runner in the championship, but every now and then like Simmons planes, wasn't it? He goes and ends a practice session ninth and you go, what on earth happened there? So there's this little smidgen of potential there that needs to keep chipping away, but, but I can't see my way to find them any better than a D at this point in the season, given where they are 21st yeah. and 24th in the championships. Not great. Yeah, D for mine as well. Macca, three DNFs in Townsville. What has he done up there? Like, he's, he was mm. very fast that last time out. Remember back in the DVS when he was really quick there as well and, and came away with nothing. He would have won the championship that year had he yep. got the results that he probably deserved up there. So, uh, shame for Macca. Um, you can see how all that pans out uh, in the future with Chris Pither making moves to get back in the series with his Coke backing. So, hmm, interesting. 
Yeah, D for me. And I think the only thing that stopped them from maybe getting an E was the fact that Macca has had a couple of sort of fair results. Yeah. Sort of. E, I, for, I even forgot E was a grade. Yeah, you've got to have something after F. It goes A, yeah, B, C, D, D, E, F. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. E is that 40 to 50, and then F is just yeah. everything well, below 40. You, you work at a school, you'd know. Yeah. Uh, I I, no, I yeah, this, this, once again, this, and this is sort of what we're saying about Tickford earlier on, also with the Jack LeBrock car, is the fact that we know they've got two good cars. Mm. I don't understand why that can't translate to having another two half-decent cars. These two just don't seem to be there at the moment. Now, uh, Matt Stone Racing, I've given them a C+. Plus. They, they're just bat above average every now and then. And they're two of the less fancied sort of young guns because you, you look at Will and Brody at Erebus and you expect them to do well. But mm. there's no real expectation on saying Goddard and Jake Kostecki. Um, Jake had his fifth there at Hidden Valley, which really flew under the radar. Zane was seventh at Simmons Plains, had a couple of top 10 shootout appearances, which I think for that team and where they're at and what they're doing um, is pretty reasonable. So C plus. Yep, I, I gave them a C, but again, it was close to the C plus level. And yeah, the, the part I love about that, it's, you know, I, I reckon their best moment of the season, and it, it ironic, is Zane fencing it in the shootout last time out because it just shows that they are having a massive crack and they're mm. not afraid to have a really, really big swing at it. And sometimes the results don't land, but sometimes they do. Goddard, especially for mine, has been super impressive this year. I, I think he's been the pick of the two not just because he's in front of Jake in the championship, but both of them clearly got a bit of potential. Um, and they're a team, boys, that I think at some point, like a Bathurst, roll the dice. They could have a really quiet day and end up deep in the 10 if it's one of those crazy races because they've got good car speed and they're not that far off. And like that every now and then, just putting the thing in the top 10 is really promising given where those two young guys are in their championship. The thing for mine I wonder what would happen if one of those two drivers was a really experienced guy mm. and, and how that would help one of the rookies coming up through the ranks. But, but so saying that, that, that would be if, really interesting. If they pay for the triple eight data, like they'll, they would know, you know, if they pay for the full freight car that triple eight have, then, you know, they've got a reasonable thing to base mm. themselves off down the other end of the pits. Yep. Yeah. I'd think that uh, fifth at Darwin for Jake Kostecki, and the elation around the team means Super that these guys know that they've got something there. They just need to produce it on a more regular basis, especially in both cars. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. The fact that they've had that result gets them into a C. And let's see how the rest of the year holds out. But not a shocking year for that team. Kelly Grove Racing. Andre Heimgarten, a 12th. David Reynolds, 16th. This is Can a I team, just say this was one of the hardest teams to mark? Yeah. This is a yeah. team that's won a race legitimately on pace yeah. this year. I gave them a C minus, and I feel like that's a little bit generous. But, like, that team should be going in this shutdown period and seeking some counselling to deal with the bipolar disorder that they're battling at the moment because – this is a team that one week goes and wins races legitimately on pace and has cars at the front of the field. Reynolds at Sandown in the rain was awesome. Heimgarten has been so fast. They make shootouts. And then the next week they are stone motherless last. And it's just absolutely crazy. They've been through a ridiculous amount in the last 18 months. 
two brand new cars, shifting brands, change of ownership, new drivers, new sponsors, the whole works. But wow, um, I, I would have given them a D had it not been for Heimgartner's amazing performance at the bend and showing just a little taste of what that team's capable of. It's there. It's within that group, but now just finding consistency is good. And, and for mine, if I was them, if I finished 10th in every race for the rest of the year, I, I'd be happy with that. Mm. Rather, if, even if I didn't win another one this season, because at least it would stop the mood swings up and down the, the pit lane from where they are at the moment. Uh, I'd have to give them a C. Um, yeah. Everything you said, you know, since Andre had his win, he had three top tens that weekend of the bend. He hasn't been better than 12th. Yeah. You know, He's a race winner. Where you, where you at, bro? You know, Reynolds had his third at the bend, uh, was fifth in Townsville a bit later on. So, uh, you know, the potential's there, but uh, they're not delivering it regularly enough. And, and then for Reynolds, sorry, he's had three finishes worse than 22nd. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's just, yeah. it's little little biffs and bangs and the steering falling apart in Townsville, things like that, just costing them. And that was, and the only thing I can add to what you guys have put there is the disappointing year that Dave Reynolds has had. I, I think it really has compared to his standards and what we know he can do and how we know he can drive. This year hasn't been a great year for Dave Reynolds in that car. So that needs to improve pretty quickly. But a C for me as well for that team as we turn our attention now to Brad Jones Racing and uh, the Nick Percat and Todd Hazelwood cars. Um, model of consistency there. I've just given them a C plus. They probably they might deserve better. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's another one of those things where Percat's been consistent and he's fired. He's had um, his eighth in the points, 12 top tens. who have been really consistent the whole way through. Had that uh, podium in Darwin where they overcame the tyre pressure dramas at the start and were disqualified and weren't disqualified and weren't really disqualified, but he came third. Uh, yeah, it's good Percat-like performance, isn't it? It's just what he does at Brand Jones Racing. Todd, four top tens in a row coming up to now. So you look at the score sheet right now, go, good on him, he's on fire. But he had a really tough run there. You know, yeah, where do you go? I'll just give him a C+. Yeah, I was the same. Yeah, that's B- where for me. Yeah, I, I, I vacillated between the two. But again, it's it's that inconsistency. But I, I, the reason they get points with me is because routinely in qualifying pace, Nick's, you know, the fifth or sixth best car on the grid and, and toppling some of the major heavy hitters in the championship and continues to do that, which is great. Um, and when they get the 14 car fired, it, it's clearly fast as Mark touched on before. And we talked about this with Hazelwood on the show last week, you know, he's 14th in the championship, 926 points, a hundred extra points. He's ninth. So yeah he's actually not that far out of the mix and the same goes for Percat. So he's 10 points behind Mark Winterbottom in seventh um, and 150 odd behind Anton Di Pasquale in a Shell V power racing car, sixth place in the championship. Now, if you finish six in the championship, you're knocking off either a triple eight car, a DJR car or a Tickford car. And if you do that, you're in good touch. Um, more consistency, please. C plus. Yeah, I definitely agree with the consistency part, especially with Todd's car. As uh, Mark said, he's coming good, and we spoke to him last week, and hopefully they've unlocked the things that Nick Perkett apparently has unlocked in his car. 12 top 10 finishes out of 19 races this year for Nick Perkett. That's a bloody solid effort. That's yeah. you know, thereabouts. It's what he did last reason. year, Shebex. Sorry, sorry it's, what he, it's what he did last year. It's the same, yeah. exactly the same thing, like just relentless at chipping away at solid finishes. Yeah, and while, and while some cars are struggling to have 
race pace as opposed to qualifying pace. They've either got one or the other. He seems to have both and mm. just at different times, it yeah. would seem sometimes. So, yeah, I, I think they're going along all right. It, it's probably, they, they are justifiably the fourth or fifth best team in the competition at the moment. I think that's where they, you know, really need to sit. Yeah. They're in the eight, aren't they, Shevex, from yeah. the footy parlance? Definitely. Yeah, and, and, uh, and going for a top four spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the old double chance at the finals. Um, Erebus Motorsport. I, I graded Erebus on two things. One, expectation coming into the season on where we thought they might be. And two, on will they back up the surprise results they've had or won't they? If you know what I mean. So Brody on the podium, Will Brown, really solid, yeah. couple of top fives, things like that. Um, and my question when I was giving a grade here was, were they flash in the pan performances or are they repeatable? And I went down the road that it looks to me at this point, they're repeatable because they've been consistently around that eight to 14 bracket at more rounds than they haven't been in terms of raw speed. And sometimes even better than that. So I, I gave, them, what, a, I I gave them a B. How you can justify that repeatable comment, Richard, is the fact that they're, they're bu- they've been building up to it. Yeah. It hasn't just been something that happened at the start of the season. They never repeated it. Yeah. It's been a constant build each race meeting to where they're at now. So I gave them a B and, and part of that grade was based on what would we have graded them if we did this before the start of the season and what would mm. we think we'd grade them now? Yeah. And I don't think any of us on this show would have said anything more than a D. If we sat down in January and said, what will our mid-season grade for Erebus be? I reckon if we all went, oh, C minus, maybe a D plus that would have been a good result because we genuinely thought it was going to be a rough year with two new drivers, new engineers, the whole thing um, starting from scratch. So I think in terms of performing above expectation, they've been way above where we certainly thought they'd be and where a lot of the paddock thought they'd be. So that's why they get a B for me. Uh, B plus for mine. Uh, everything you've said, you know, they started with, from a clean sheet of paper, new drivers, new rookie drivers, mm. new engineers, the whole works. And, to churn out the results they're doing, I think it's great. So yeah, well done. You know, Brody's podium, the wet at Sandown was, was a really solid drive and yeah. Will got up to fourth there at Hidden Valley. So they've shown some really good results and different times and qualifying sessions and practice and luck. They've been very quick. So yeah, good job. Yeah. B minus for me, the same as uh, Brad Jones racing. And, and I think what I've liked about this team and I don't want to say, it, but I will, I think they got a bit ahead of themselves last year with the TV show that was going and all that stuff that was around. And I think it built up Erebus to probably and make them believe that they may be a bit better or bigger than what they were. And I think at the start of this year, that came with a big slap across the face to actually knuckle down and, and come back to reality. And I think they've realised that and they've started to work on that. And it seems like the culture and everything around that whole team is really starting to come back to the professionalism that we saw the winner Bathurst with. So I think things are changing. Yes. Uh, Team 18. This is hard work, this one. Okay. I gave them a C. (laughs) Uh, And because they're all over the shop. Like, well, how can you pick them? Yeah. And they're the only one of these leading teams that hasn't gotten a podium yet. Mm. And they've flipped around. Last year, it was Scott Pye who was the man at Team 18. This year, it's it's Frosty. Frosty. Yeah. You know, he's seventh in the points, 11 top tens and best of fourth at Bathurst. So he's been the, the guy up there scoring the points and the consistent points and, you know, Pies had a tough run, a uh, best of six that the second Townsville ran 
which is okay. But they've all shown lots of potential at different times. They just haven't delivered enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the telling bit for mine was when Charlie went to the media after Townsville won and said, well, we get all the data that Triple Eight have. We've got Triple Eight cars and Triple Eight beat us by a lap. Yeah. <laughs> and he went to the media with it going, yeah. we're customers and we got flogged Whoa. by their car that they built for us. Yeah. Yep. hundred uh, percent. Look, I, I gave them a C plus and, and I'm not actually a hundred percent sure why, but I, I think it was because when you look at the championship and Mark Winterbottom seventh, like that, that's enormous. That's a huge yeah. result for that team. So, and, and it's proof, I suppose that championships aren't necessarily won on winning every race or starring in every race or even being at the front in every race. It's that consistency that does the job. So even though it's been a bit yo-yo, especially in Townsville. And, and to be fair, I had to check myself a couple of times because we had five races in seven days in Townsville. So you tend to lean on the most recent races of form more than the ones that happened a little bit early in the season. So Frosty had a shocking Townsville, but in Darwin, he was 22nd in race one after the thing stopped after qualifying on the front row and then was fifth and seventh. So he actually had a really good weekend at Hidden Valley. So the, the, the genuine sort of performance is there. Um, so I gave them a C plus um, with the caveat that, yeah, Scott Pye needs to deliver some of the performances that that side of the garage had last year because they were awesome. Like they were an A for the second half of the season in the DeLore garage. Yeah, and once again, you can only go on the performances that have been put in front of you. And you look at Scott Pye and he's had eight top 10 finishes out of the 19 races this year. So that's nearly 50%. But Frosty, and I just wanted to see his two, four, six, eight, 11. 10, 11. Yeah, 12, actually, I think it is. Okay. 12 out of 19. So the same uh, as what we said earlier with uh, with Nick Perkett. So you've got to give these guys at least a C plus, if, if not a bit better, because they're, they're punching. They're just not punching hard. They're out but of the eight on percentage. The landing blows right? are just not making any mm. difference. Yeah. Uh, Walkinshaw and Trudy United, I've given them a B plus more for the Chaz side of the garage than the Bryce side. Yeah, really? That, which is, yeah. Oh. Well, I mean, you yeah. look at Chaz, he's fourth. This is one of those two. ones where you want to mark, have two different marks. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's, it's hard. hard. To put, yeah, it's hard. Yep. Uh, you know, he's had a couple of wins and seven podiums, which is great. You know, Bryce, uh, that first race of the year at Bathurst, he finished fifth. You know, and it was sixth at the bend. He can do it, just not consistently enough. You know, he's had a, he's been on the short end of the stick of a few biffos and whatnot, and he's back there fifteenth in the points. So how do you how do you mark them? But I think they've stepped up this year. They've shown that it's not the old, you know, walk and short team that would lob up to a street circuit and win a race and then bugger mm. off and be irrelevant for the rest of the year. They've been in the conversation with Chaz's car everywhere, which is. Yeah. Unlike them, they've stepped up. They're getting it done with that car, so I've given them a B plus. Yeah, this was the hardest team for mine to grade uh, in this process. I I gave them a C plus, but uh, that was based on me giving Chaz a B plus. Yeah, almost got an A, and me giving Bryce a D. Yeah. And I sort of averaged them out and then went a little bit higher because I feel like they deserve it because they legitimately feel like they've turned a corner as a as an outfit that team. But we're grading teams, not individual drivers, Mm. so. As a team, it's a one-car squad at the moment, and Chaz is the only one doing the job. We know Bryce has got the ability. We like Bryce. He's tremendous character, and he's sure a great, race, great racing car driver. Um, but it's a bit of a sophomore slump for that side of the garage that they, they need to work out what's going on. Um, I'm sure they'll get there because they're, they're a 
legit racing car team now and, and they probably haven't been there for a, a couple of seasons. So really good to see. I love that they've been revitalized and at least from the Chaz side of the garage, they're a week in week out contender, which, which is great. And you, you go into an event going, Chaz can be on the podium this weekend. And if you'd said that about a WAU car for the last couple of years, you go, hmm, probably not. Yeah. B minus for me. And Chaz is Mr. Mojo. Uh, he has just found all that mojo and more that he that we know he's had, we know he's got, and now he's really putting it into results for that team. So good on him. I think uh, we all lambasted them, lambasted them at some point in the last year or two due to results and people's heads were on the chopping blocks and all that sort of stuff. But uh, they have really worked hard, turned it around. And uh, yeah, let's just hope it continues for them. But Bryce, I, I wish I knew where, he whether he had a seat or not next year that'd be the million dollar question i'd like to see him go around again for the oh, record, i'd love to I, but i just I, don't know whether they can i think he deserves it can i yeah. just say that there's there's a theme here among the teams that zach brown is involved in so wau has had a reinvention and they're back to being competitive Aaron McLaren SP and IndyCar has had a massive reinvention and they're now genuinely competitive week in week out mclaren in formula one a third in the world championship ahead of yeah. ferrari so I'm not saying that Zach Brown is not hands-on at WAU, but there's something about the methodology that he's got working with Ryan Walkinshaw and then the Andretti component as well. Just works, doesn't it? It's a theme across every race team he's involved in. So it, that can't be coincidence for mine. He seems like a decent bloke too. Yeah, I want to get him on the show. He had, he had Rona recently, so he missed the British Grand Prix. Yeah, so I uh, hope he's all right. Tickford Racing. Oh, Cam Waters, third in the championship. James Courtney, P9. I'll go first. I gave them a B. And yeah. you might go B, but these are the team. This is the team that's really the only one to consistently take it up to Triple Eight. But they're really not because some weekends Cam Waters will be the guy to beat. And then next weekend, it will be completely anonymous. And I know I said before that we shouldn't lean too heavily on the two Townsville rounds, but the two Townsville rounds are the perfect example of that. Same racetrack, two weeks in a row. Week one, they got lapped by Triple Eight. Week two, they won races. Like, if you're not going to win a championship, if that's how you do it, they know that, of course. So that's why, for me, they got to be. Cam's been really, really impressive this season in the races where he's had the tools to do the job. And James Courtney's been quietly chipping away with it. I I think he's been one of the quiet achievers this season, ninth in points, but um, top five pace at a lot of racetracks. So that's why they get a B for me. But again, comes back to that consistency week in, week out. And that's when they start going up the leaderboard. I've given them a B plus. Uh, It's that expectation, isn't it? When it Mm. rolled into the season, we all thought Waters could be the man who takes it up to SVG this season, but it just hasn't turned out that way. You know, obviously... He's had three wins, which is really good. Seven podiums, really good. Had that 20th place finish at Bathurst, so he's behind the eight ball there. He had that DNF when he got uh, drop kicked out of the bend. So, you know, dramas. Frustrating at times with their strategy because, remember, was it Simmons Plains where they they took a, a bet with the tyres? They probably would have won down there. Yep. Uh, a few little things like that and the consistency too. So, yeah, B-plus for mine. Yeah, B-plus for mine as well. And I think you're absolutely spot on about James Courtney, Richard. The fact that he's had a top 10 finish in every round this year. Yeah. So he's done it on every track. They've been consistently good. 
at most tracks that would mean for me. So great work, uh, Cam Waters. He he's a star. There's no doubt about it. He can drive. He can drive fast, and he's aggressive too. And I love that. And you know, we we keep talking about it when we see Mossett and and Waters come next to each other and that height of expectation about what may or may not happen because neither of them are going to give an inch between the two of them. That's what we want to see. We want to see these guys banging it out and battling it out as if every point was, you know, an extra minute on their life or whatever it might be. And Cam Waters is definitely one guy that uh, that does that. So a good effort by uh, Tickford Racing for sure. Uh, Shell V Power Racing. Hmm. Mm. I've given them a B. They're just... It's another frustrating case, isn't it? They're all bloody frustrating, all of them. I wonder if we had done this four meetings ago, though, whether it would have been a B or whether it would have been a C, C minus. I reckon they've improved definitely in the last few rounds. Yeah, but it's just got a lot of hallmarks as Scott McLaughlin's 2017 season. Remember that? He got Mm -hmm. 16 poles that year, the most of any season he ever raced, and only got eight wins. You know, up to this point of the season, that team has five poles and one win. They've got pace, but they're just not winning the races, are they? Mm. Obviously, you know, you look at Townsville, they were very quick up there in qualifying, but SVG won all the race starts and won two of the three races. Ah, The potential's there. They're so close to unlocking it. If they could just convert their qualifying pace into race results, well, that'd be an easy A. You know, I think it's a B because last three years, four years, they've been the best. Yeah, the, that mm. team knows how to win a lot of races, and this year they just haven't done it, have they? Yeah, no. And, and, and Anton four DNFs. Yeah, yeah, You're killing me. And that that was I gave them a B minus because of that, uh, uh, as much as anything. And the other thing that I graded them down for was the fact that Will Davison's in front of Anton in the championship, despite not having won a race, and Anton's won a race. So, you know, usually winning's the one that gets you up the order in the championship, but that consistency for Will has has got him there. The DNFs have absolutely destroyed any chance of Anton contending for the rest of the season from a, a title point of view. Not much more I can add to that. They've been consistent. They've been fast on occasion, quick in quality, haven't converted. So yeah, certainly not in the A grade bracket where they have been for the last four seasons, but um, they're, they're not far away. And, you know, there's a round in the next couple, wherever they may be, where I think they smoke everyone for a race because it's, they feel like they're on the cusp of finding whatever it is that these two drivers need that Scott McLaughlin and Fabian didn't um, had last year, Scott, especially. Um, and they'll, they'll switch it on. There's too much brain power there for it to not happen. Yeah. B for me, as I said, I reckon they would have been a D uh, after the first two or three rounds of the year, but things have really lifted up. And I just want to see, I love Anton Di Pasquale as a driver. I think he's got a lot of potential, a lot of potential, and will and will probably win a championship at some point in his career. I have no doubt about that. I think Will's a great driver as well, but I don't see. I spoke about Cam and Chaz having that killer instinct, that fighting for every single point to get it, and I see Shane Van Gisbergen has that. I just don't see Anton and Will with that at the moment. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but. They're very good drivers, but they just don't. I just want to see them go that little bit further. Just well, if do they don't have the race cars, extra. if they don't have the race cars, but well, it makes it hard. Under yeah. them, they, you know, yeah. you can't just make a bomb dive out of nothing. No, that's true. That's true, and, and that that may be the case with them. So a B for them, but I think they've got a lot of potential, and you know, they'll take it right up to uh, to Triple Eight throughout the year. They may not win the championship or the team's championship, but they'll take it right up to them. They're still a force. They're just not quite the force that we're 
used to having seen for the last couple of seasons. Uh, and you know, that's fine. We we understand that. We see it in all sport, don't we? Yep. Teams lose players and new players come in. They'll get, they'll get around it. And Scotty was so special. That's the he thing. was, exactly, you could, yes. You could tune a car around Scott and it was going to be quick, wasn't it? You, you obviously, these guys... Scott McLaughlin. You, you, you look at how Fabian struggled versus Scott. Well, these are two Fabians now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. they pro- probably are. Yeah. In fact, at, at some points last season, you know, Fabian was sixth in the championship. So they're fifth and sixth in the championship now. Um, <laughs> should they be a little bit better than that? Oh, probably, but... Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Red Bull Empire Racing. I, I suppose the only thing to work out here is whether it's a an, an A minus or an A plus or just a straight out A. I've gone A plus. Like this is the only team that week in week out turns in consistent two consistent race cars. Shane Van Gisbergen is in peak form of his career. As a team, they've won twelve times. They've finished one two on five occasions, which is even more important. Um, Jamie doesn't have the that crushing, dominating edge that he had during his absolute peak, but it almost feels like, and I never admit it, but it feels like he's settled into that role of of running alongside Shane. And, you know, if Shane can't win, Jamie can, but Shane's the one that's probably going to win the championship. And I think everyone knows that. So um, he's got the team cap on, but th- but that makes his performances even more impressive. And the fact that he still puts on that battle like he did at Townsville makes it even more impressive. Um, and then even when they have a bad off session, they bounce back really well. So remember the bend, they're all at sea a bit early there, didn't qualify well, but Shane still came away with two podiums from that event. And that's the yeah. sign of a team in great form that even if you don't qualify well, you can end up, at the end of the weekend with some trophies. And that's what that, this team is doing right now. So um, they're at the peak of their very considerable powers that they haven't been at for the last couple of seasons, or maybe they have, but they've just been eclipsed by a driver and team combination. That's been even better in DJR and Scott McLaughlin, but they are imperious. They are dominant. They are an awesome race team to watch. So I've given them top of the class by a margin. You look at Townsville to race one where they had an absolute Barry Crocker and they finished fifth and sixth. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've given them an A because back when I went to school to get an A plus, you had to be perfect. And I don't think they've been quite perfect. You know, everything you said is true. You could give them an A plus, but I'd just go on an A. Mm. Uh, you know, Jamie does look like it's his last time around, doesn't it? It's mm. not that same old Jamie that we used to see. You know, I think an A plus would be, uh, a Craig Lowndes and Mark Scaife when they were at HRT, when you had two A-plus drivers bashing on sort of thing. But now you've got an A-plus-plus in Van Gisbergen and probably an A-minus in Jamie. What can you say? Yeah, yeah an A for me as yeah. well. Uh, I've always said, and people have asked me, you know, what would happen if you put someone else in some in this person's car? How would they go? I think we've, we're seeing that with Shell V-Power. You know, we'll put people in, in uh, Scotty McLaughlin's car, that car's not much different to what it was last year, but it's not going as well. We just know that if you put Shane Van Gisbergen, the best driver in the competition, in the best car in the competition, with the best team around him in the competition, you've got a bloke that started position one in the championship in race one and 19 races down, hasn't dropped any lower than P1. So that's that's just, you know, quality. That is absolute quality. And, and you're right, Jamie's the perfect wingman for them. 
uh, for, for Shane. He's not going to win the championship this year unless something drastic happens to Shane. I think Jamie probably realises that, and he's just very much a team player for a team that which he has a major share in now. And, you know, he knows that, you know, Shane winning the championship is much better than the two of those absolutely belting heads and allowing a Cam Waters to come over the top and take it. So, yeah, I, I think the thing for mine, if you go back and look at Mark Scaife's final season for the Holden Racing Team, he was 14th in the championship. Mm. Um, won one race, which was uh, the Enduro at Phillip Island, wasn't it, from memory? Um, yeah, it was, with Gartanda. Um, yeah. and, but, but outside of that was rarely a factor. Um, Jamie Winkup is very likely to finish second in the championship behind only his teammate. There's a really good chance he's going to win Bathurst. Um, has to go into that race as one of the absolute favourites. Yeah, um, but look look what that did to me last year when I backed him. Well, yeah, I know, but that's just... Well, he backed don't take the your, fence, yeah. yeah, well, that... It's the 100%. reason why you're renting in Melbourne now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cheaper. Um, yeah, and, and he's still week in, week out, a regular race-winning contender. So um, the way he's finishing his career is great. He's going yeah. out right at the front of the field, which is, which is outstanding. So, um, yeah. I, I, and he's won seven for God's sakes. What do you want eight? Yeah. Take the seven and run. <laughs> That's what your footy team's done this year. Shebex. They've just taken their three and phoned it in for the rest of the Everyone game. said to me, oh, Richmond are gone this year. I said, yeah, but we'll be back next year. And if oh, we win four out of six, I'll be pretty happy with that. <laughs> should, should we reconvene in six rounds time? I mean, I'm not going to say, sure. the, I'm not going to say the end of the year because it might be March next year before we get this finished. Who knows? <laughs> <Could> so, be, <laughs> maybe they should just run this season until gen three is ready. Oh, yeah. don't even and then push me. push pause yeah. and then restart when we got a new car. Maybe How upset the would the internet be there? Jeez. Oh, well. <laughs> hey, boys, that was a lot of fun. Well done. We'd love to hear your thoughts too. If you want to whack uh, your thoughts on our socials about uh, where we marked them and where you might have marked them, we'd love to hear that as well. Catch you next week, boys. Enjoy Free. your week in sport. Free, not locked down. You're beauty. <laughs> I'm going to go to the pub. I might run oh. naked down the street. Please no, I, I promise I won't. Uh, funny top and tail to this episode. Yeah, buddy, really buddy, uh, buddy cold in Melbourne at the moment. I wouldn't want people to see me in that, guys. <laughs> uh, we'll catch you next week right here on The Grid. This program is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at radiolamont.com.